Hey everybody, Payments Professor here, and I want to welcome you to the Payments Podium, and today we're going to have, we're going to really go international. I want to say, after, you know, getting a little preparation done for this, we're going to be going global, and you're going to understand a little bit more. To introduce today's guest, all I can say is his name's Heiss, and I can't really pronounce his last name. So, Heiss, if you would, please uh, tell us who you are. Yep, uh, I'd love to. Thanks for having me. Uh, so my name is Gijs Boudewijn. I'm Dutch. That's why it's the funny name. Uh, in my daytime job as being general manager of the Dutch Payments Association based in, in Amsterdam. Uh, but apart from my daytime job, I hold some other positions, uh, especially in, in Brussels, uh, where I sit on the European Commission's uh, Payment Systems Market Expert Group. They use as an advisory uh, board. Um, I have a position as chair of the legal support group of the European Payments Council. I'm co-chair uh, of a multi-stakeholder group, which is called the SEPA Payment Account Access Scheme, which is about open banking. Uh, and lastly, I was recently uh, appointed as a chair, and that's a global thing, uh, as chair of the International Banking Federation's, uh, let's say, payments working group. So we also hold a, a small global responsibility there. Okay, I hear all of that, and I think this is the pinnacle of what you can be when it comes to electronic payments. So I got to ask a question. This is a question I ask a lot of people on the payments podium. You are really doing some amazing things at a global level, but how did you get started in payments? Like did, uh, you know, especially being Dutch uh, over, I got to say over on the other side of the, you know, the, the sea there, what was it like for you to get started? Cause you know, here, a lot of people in the U S we didn't, plan to be in electronic payments. I was working in the computer field and got pulled in by a fintech decades ago now. And that's how I got my start in payments. I had no idea what electronic payments even were. So how did you get your start to be able to get to where you are? It's 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 the same. You you can't choose for payments or as a four-year-old, oh I want to be a payment nerd when I <laughs> when I'm I'm an adult, right? So you happen to be in payments at one. So we always called it Hotel California from, from the Eagles. You can check in any time you like, but you can never leave because once you <laughs> once you get in, it seems to be impossible to get out again. That is so true. It is. And I think it's because you also start developing a passion for it. And I'd say you've got to have somewhat of a passion for this with yeah. all of the things that you're doing. Now, one thing I would love for you to do is to help, you know, my listeners and subscribers, they're probably hearing all of these things, SEPA, European Banking Federation, Dutch Payments Association. Can we help make a little bit more sense of that? Because a lot of my listeners, too, are looking at what's happening over here in the U.S. when it sure. comes to instant and faster payments. And I've been getting guests like you on to explain that this has all been solved for in other countries already. So can you help us in that? <laughs> uh, well, hopefully. And of course, it's it's not all good and all rosy. I mean, uh, uh, but there, there are certainly lessons lessons to be learned. Well, the first thing, the governance thing, uh, uh, we have the Europe is Europe. Europe is a fragmented thing that is, is, is glued together. It's, it's independent countries with one internal market. That's why uh, it's the European Economic Union, the EU. It's not a political union. And what the, uh, the aim of the EU is to create a, a giant like America has itself, internal market where you can create network effects, economies of scale and so on and so forth to become and to stay competitive at, 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 a, global, at a global scale. Um, so since we have many uh, local associations, you have one American Bankers Association, we have 
about uh, more than 30 of them, and they are united in the European Banking Federation. And the European Banking Federation is just like the American Banking Federation, member of the Global International Banking Federation. That's the way the payments industry is uh, is organized. And of course, there, there's more more than that, but basically, that's the way uh, it's it's built up from a governance uh, perspective. So it's it should be familiar. Um, uh, I mean, that's, that's basically the same everywhere in, in, in the world, of course. So basically, you're telling me there's rules and regulations no matter where you go when it comes to electronic payments. Absolutely. And sometimes I know we feel over here in the U.S., it seems like there's too many groups that have a say so in the rules and regulations. Well, to come to, come to, to say, especially the, the last 10 years with the um, uh, advent of, of the fintechs and payment institutions and e-money institutions, the number of associations in Brussels uh, has, has, has increased tremendously. Uh, and, and the reason for that is that this internal market, you want to have a level playing field from a regulatory perspective, of course, uh, which means that most of the relevant uh, regulation, payments regulation, or virtually all of it, uh, originates in, in Brussels these days. That's where the European Commission uh, re resides, which is sort of the, the government uh, of the European Union, which makes the legislative proposals which then have to be endorsed by the European Council of Ministers on the one hand and the European Parliament on the other hand, which are also composed of the ministers of finance in, our, in the payments case of all these European countries and the European Parliament similarly of parliamentarians from all these European countries. Uh, but that's, the, let's say, the legislative uh, process. And, and that's where the rules and regulations, the rules of the game uh, of payments in Europe are set. All right. Can we get to the fun part right away? Because uh, I am excited here in the U.S. We've got FedNow, you know, brand new. Everybody's looking at it. Everybody's wondering what's going to happen. And I look at you and I know in talking to you in El Portugal earlier this year, uh, you guys have already been through this. You already know what to expect. You've seen what the fraud is like. You've seen what the adoption rates are like. You've seen the use cases. So can you take us back? What was it like to very first start even having instant payments for you in your country? Yeah. For, for, first, let, let me help you out of the dream that Europe is one homogeneous market. <laughs> it, it, it may seem that way from an external uh, perspective, but if, from the internal perspective, there are great differences in, in the advancement of payments market per country. Um, so what would you typically see? Um, you always have a, a south-north uh, divide and an east-west divide. Um, in, uh, geographically, that, that's, a, that's a global phenomenon, by the way, but that's another story. Um, and would you typically see that in the, the more southern parts of the European Union, uh, electronic payments are lagging behind the rate of adoption in the more northern parts of Europe. So in, in the Nordics, um, the Scandinavian countries, my country, the UK, um, those are the front runners with electronic payments. And the further down south you get, and, and the more east you get, uh, the more cash re reliant um, those, those economies still are. Those are, are cultural things um, for one, or one reason or, or, or the other. And of course, everybody is on the, has embarked on the road to further digitalization and, other, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, electronic payments, uh, but there's still huge differences. So for instance, uh, if you look at my country, uh, at the point of sale, more than 80% are electronic payments, debit card, uh, smartphone-based contactless payments. 
but for instance, in Greece, it may just be 30%. So there's, there's a huge differences uh, in, in payment, uh, payment behavior still. They are converging, uh, converging of course, but, but still huge difference. And that, that also goes uh, for instant payments, of, of course. Um, so if, if you want to have the story about uh, instant payments, uh, my country was, let's, together with the UK, a front runner um, in, in instant payments. Uh, we did a, a project uh, for the Dutch market between 2015 and 2019, which was, let's say, a strategic decision of, of the banks also to, to get rid of some legacy systems that, okay, because there was a lot of local political pressure, uh, because we could no longer explain why in the day and age of internet, uh, and instant messaging and, and emails and WhatsApps, we could no longer explain why you could not make payments 24 seven, 365. And we started, we, we tried to do, um, and what, what about the weekend and what are banks doing with the money in the weekend? And we said, well, nothing because we can't settle because the central bank is closed. Um, but that, that story didn't hold for much, uh, much for, for a very long time. So it was decided to, to make instant a new normal. We, saw the pressure already coming up, uh, faster payments in the UK. It was happening in, in various parts of, of the world. Uh, many in flavors of instant uh, uh, coming up. So it was decided in my country to, to go for it. And if you do it, better do it right. Many other countries. Uh, and wait, wait, can I stop you there on that? Because uh, you said a couple of things that just get my attention real quick. And, you know, the, the, I call them the dirty words of electronic banking nowadays, and that's legacy systems. Yep. It's something nobody likes to talk about, but it is an underlying reality. It's a, a, a old foundation, really, that really holds a lot of us back. And, and if I heard you right, you had some government intervention on replacing or removing and improving upon those legacy systems? Well, not, not really. There was government pressure in, in my country to, uh, to introduce instant payments uh, because there was a lot of political pressure. And then the banks said, okay, we'll do it. We will we'll turn it around. It's not a threat. It's an opportunity. If we have to do it anyway, we'd better do it good collectively. Uh, okay. And it was a, a joint project for, one, for, for four years. Uh, so we, we took the time, um, but in many other countries in, in Europe, um, so the instant payments in Europe are based on the SCT, SEPA Credit Transfer Inst rulebook from the European uh, Payment Council. Um, now, unlike my country, in many other countries, uh, and this has to do also with the, 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 the business models, we have, we, have, uh, we have the lowest fees in, 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 in Europe, and um, Instant payments were seen as a hygiene factor. It was long overdue in uh, in the eyes of the politicians. So it was not a premium product. It was just the replacement of the derelict old product, the regular SEPA credit transfer. Many other countries said, no, no, no. Instant is a premium product that we can charge an, a premium for. Uh, and that has led to a situation that in across Europe, um, there, was a clear, there was a clear political wish I'll come back to that uh, in a minute, um, to, to have instant as the new normal, but many banks and many communities didn't see instant as the new normal. No, instant was a premium product. Uh, and that, that means that the take-up in many countries, because it was charged for, especially to consumers, was, was low. Um, so, and that is still the case today, and that has led to a regulation, a regulator intervention by the European Commission, 
for for a, a specific reason, which which I will, will tell you about later. So the the at, at this point in time across the, the across Europe, uh, only about fourteen to fifteen percent of all electronic payments are instant. Fourteen to fifteen percent, though. One four, one five percent. Yes, that's that's not a bad percentage. No, but, but yeah, in the eyes of the the, the the Brussels uh, uh, authorities, it's 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 way too low, and you have to realize that, and um, that that that's no no um, no harm meant to to American companies. Uh, there's a little frustration in in Europe, if I may call it that, that we do not have really our own retail payment solutions. We do not have a European card scheme, for instance. Uh, so Europe relies on, let's say, the, the big two card companies, uh, which are listed in, in at, let's say, the New York Stock Exchange. I won't mention any names. Uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> I think we know who they are. <laughs> yeah, you probably have some, some of their stuff in your pocket <laughs> with their logos on it. And it works perfectly fine. That That's not the problem. But um, in, in the, it's a geopolitical thing that uh, the European Central Bank and the European Commission have said what we want is, and it's called open strategic autonomy, we do not want to be, as, as Europe, totally reliant on non-European solutions. So there is a dear wish from a geopolitical perspective to have also, not, in, not replacing, but uh, next to what's already out there, as a non-European solutions, a truly European solution. And the thinking is that has to be based on instant payments because it should not ride on the card rails, it should ride on the instant payment rails. And if you've said that that we want a European solution based on instant payments rails, then instant payments, of course, needs to be there as a basic right. infrastructure. So that coming back to what I said, which was not the case because in many countries, instant was just seen as, as a niche product, uh, which was premium and to be charged for it, which is not what... The Brussels regulators want they wanted to be the normal, the new normal, uh, and that's why a regulation was uh, was uh, enacted last uh, last October, which will make instant payments mandatory. Um, this this regulation is now in the last phases of political negotiations in uh, in Brussels and will probably come into force uh, after summer, uh, October. Or so. October, November. But that's just in the Netherlands, right? That no, no, no. That's, that's for the whole European Union. Not only the Eurozone, but also the whole European, all currencies in the European Union. That's a huge move. That to is a really... huge move, especially for those countries that don't have it yet. Uh, for instance, we have been invited by the Irish colleagues because they don't have instant payments yet. We, how are we going to do this? Uh, because now it's going to be a, com a compliance thing, not a, a matter of choice, you have to do it. There are certain timelines uh, attached to that, uh, slightly different from Eurozone countries to non-Eurozone countries. But eventually, in a couple of years' time, instant will be the new normal. And, and then on top of that, uh, the market needs to build um, complementary of alternative European solutions based on instant payments. Well, can, can we back up a little bit? Sure. And just getting instant payments to start working and be available, because I know you have them available now. Yep. What was that like? What, I mean, was there any friction there in just let's get this implemented and let's get it started, you know, so you could get to that 14 or 15 percent? What was it like in those early days? Because I know that's where we are now. And a lot of people are like, what are the mm -hmm. headaches we're going to see? What are the problems we're going <laughs> to run into, especially the unknown issues? Yeah, well, well, in, in, in the Dutch case, um, so 
the the fourteen fifteen percent is the European average. In my country is it's over. We are the highest. It's over seventy percent. It's seventy percent instant yes. payments. Yes. Uh, the, and mainly, so corporate payments, bulk payments are, are still not uh, not really instant. But let's say seventy percent of all single uh, transfers are are instant. And well, it's it's virtually the new normal. Uh, so it's easy if you make a, a the person to person payment. We have these these apps for that, the P two P payments. So I, I I send you a little payment request. You say pay, and instantly in two seconds I have the money. And it's not a payment guarantee. I do have the funds. Really, it's settled in, in real time, so it's real, real instant. Um, I, I think um, that there's, of course, there's. I'm, I'm not. I was not the program manager, and I'm not a technical person. It's it's mostly the the, uh, the it's a paradigm shift, right? So you have to do it 24/7, 365s. Whereas normally you would have your cutoff times, and then everybody goes home. Uh, we said mm -hmm. the guys in the central bank they they pull the plug from the settlement computer over the weekend so you can't do anything and they plug it in on monday morning and the whole thing starts again um especially in the netherlands the added value from the from the user perspective wasn't that big because we already had eight settlement cycles intraday and uh, if you ask uh, consumers or uh, corporates would you instead of so basically anything that was submitted before three in the afternoon would be settled same day already. So for corporates, there wasn't much added value because they said, well, we'll look at it end of day anyway, uh, and, and no, no earlier than that. It, it's, it's, it's not that easy to really demonstrate the added value of having the money instantly instead of having a real-time payment guarantee. Uh, we had a, and still have a very uh, as, as an example, very uh, well, it's the most successful actually in, in Europe. Um, E-commerce payments product, which is called Ideal, uh, which is not instant as in, in terms of as uh, the credit transfer, <coughs> but it provides the, uh, the the web merchant with an instant payment guarantee from <coughs> the issuing bank. Sorry, I have to have a sip of water. <clears throat> Sorry, from the issuing bank and from from a merchant perspective, it's it's important to to have security that you get the money, a payment guarantee, uh, and that is enough to to ship the shoes to drive your your logistics chain. <clears throat> so, in in terms of real added value to to customers, it was pretty hard to sell. That's why in in the Netherlands we didn't didn't succeed in in making it a premium product because everybody was already. Um, uh, accustomed to eight settlement cycles a day. They had already real-time payment guarantees. So everybody said, okay, nice, uh, please do it, but we're not going to pay for it. <laughs> uh, and that, that is slightly different in, in, in each jurisdiction, uh, how, how, these, how the market situation is uh, and where. Uh, so so the, the worst the situation is in, in a given country, if you only have one settlement cycle a day, the added value of instant is probably bigger than it was in our context. So you always have to look very closely. What What, what is the added value uh, for, for consumers, but especially for corporates? <clears throat> when, when we asked in, in, in the early days, and it was, we also have a European Association of Corporate Treasurers. And there's a guy from Telecom Italia, uh, the corporate treasurer, and said, well, would, would you like to have instant, instant uh, payments? And he said, well, uh, yeah, okay, but what I really need is 
instant information and instant confirmation and reconciliation. I'd rather have that than the money, the funds itself. Because yeah, that, that right there is some huge words: confirmation, information, reconciliation. And, and the funds will come in this day. Perspective. <laughs> yeah. So from a treasurer's perspective, in, especially I'm, I'm not a treasurer, but it, it wasn't wasn't obvious why on earth would you have the money if you're not going to do it, anything with it un until the end of the day or whatever. But you want to know my customers paid. I have the confirmation, et cetera, et cetera. And, and of course, um, when it's new, nobody uh, can, can, can predict what use cases might come up. But in the early days, it was not that, that obvious. Uh, and it probably still, still isn't um, in, in, in many use cases. But it's uh, it's 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 inevitable. It's um... that's some fascinating stuff, though, to, to, just to see that how it evolved, and for people to even consider that to become your new normal. Yeah. Now, uh, a couple things that you know I would love to hear your comments on. I see here in the U.S. First of all, our ACH system it doesn't have eight windows, but we we're up to three and four now, and it is. It works wonderfully. And I don't and I tell people I don't believe our instant payments are going to replace much of what ACH already does. It's a strong, stable system. It's secure. It's not going to go away. However, I do see the same thing. Like you said, we, our central bank unplugs, you know, late at night or on the weekends in the holidays. And then that opens up opportunities for these Fed now payments, especially mm -hmm. to be able to process and to fill some of those gaps or fill some of those holes. On the pricing side of things, I'm telling people, I don't see any way you're going to charge for a P2P type transaction. There's no way. There are already options out there through the app store that people are using. They don't want to have to pay for those things. They expect that to be free. But when you get more into that treasury side, and I think confirmation, information, reconciliation, immediacy, being able to do that, I am saying to the U.S. banks, you can charge for that. You already charge for it in other ways for the other services that you're offering. Now you're giving what I would say is a superior service because with ISO 2022, more data can be exchanged, the immediacy of what you're doing. So do you see that as well for us over here that there is the potential or possibility since we didn't have the eight windows, we didn't have the expectations that you're already there and we're able to improve upon what is being done. Uh, I, I, I would assume so, but I'm, I'm more on the retail payment side. I'm, I'm not a, a corporate banker, so I, I don't sell stuff. Well, I don't. We don't sell anything as an association. But I'm, I'm, I'm not a banker. I'm, I, but I guess it's it's the added value services around instant payments, and then probably it's a nice to have that you have instant payments and you can play uh, at any time of the day. Uh, but in in the early days, I, I was quote a friend of mine who was a, a treasury guide, one of my large members. Uh, because in, in the early days, everything, whoa, and he, he had a famous presentation um, in the context of instant payments, which said, why banks should worry about intraday liquidity management, uh, because one second the money's there, and then the other second, the next second, it's gone. So everybody said, whoa, from, from, a, from a liquidity management perspective, it was a pretty scary uh, and I'm not a liquidity manager, I'm not a treasurer, but but somehow they've overcome all these these concerns. But I mean, it was new and they didn't know what was going to happen. Nobody knows how is the, uh, the, the public going to behave, how are corporates going to behave. But potentially, uh, the money just slips through your fingers uh, instantly, right? 
Yeah, the liquidity management is something I know I do a lot of talking on right now, and I expect it's going to go up. I do got to have something else I got to ask you before we run out of time. Um, as the head of global now, working in that that group with the European Banking Federations, you said you're, you're chairing up that group. What is next? What should people be going, okay, this is what's really the next big thing that's going to be happening in payments that maybe we're not paying attention to yet, but we need to start paying attention to. Well, uh, first, let, let's start, start a, a little bit closer to home. Uh, um, so we, we had a huge legis legislative uh, package published last week uh, on top of the instant payments regulation, as I, I just spoke about. Uh, so we have a, a nice package, which is the, re the revised, you probably have heard the, the, uh, the abbreviation PSD2, the Payment Service Directive number two. It was reviewed and it's now uh, split up in two. It's a part of it has now become PSD3, uh, but the bulk uh, of what was PSD2 is now called the Payment Services Regulation, the PSR, not to be um, confused with the UK Payment Systems Regulator, which is also called PSR. Um, this is a huge package. Um, we have an open finance framework, which is going beyond payments, open finance beyond payments, because the open payments is already covered in the payment service directive and the, the, the new PSR. Um, so that's a, a huge thing. And then we have the legislative framework uh, of the digital euro, uh, which is also something that's keeping us awake at night, the, the, the European CBDC, which we may spend a little time on. So um, uh, for, for the time being, we are pretty, uh, the coming years will be, well, talking and negotiating and lobbying. Uh, so for the, the coming years, we'll be busy um, uh, digesting this, uh, this heavy uh, regulatory meal in, uh, on, on, on payments. Um, of course, if, if you look at, uh, you go to, to conference, everybody's talking about, because one of the things I, I, uh, I was in a panel at Money 2020, on uh, which was also which, which was about uh, payments as a service. And an interesting mm -hmm. question uh, I, I asked to my panelists was, do, do you think that the instant payments regulation, the fact that it becomes a compliance thing, has, is becoming mandatory, um, would that be a catalyst for pass payments as a service providers? Because um, suddenly uh, 5,000 banks in Europe uh, well, some of them are uh, already instant payments compliant, but many of them are not, and many of them are too small to invest uh, within the timelines that are going to be set uh, and also becoming compliant with all the other regulatory stuff. Uh, so I would say that the, the payments as a service, as a way to, um, to, to cope with all the regulatory changes that are coming up in payments, uh, that payments as a service is, is one to, to tip, I would say. Payments as a service. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an interesting concept, yeah. So you, you, you need a license, you're a, you're a legal entity, you get a license as a payment institution or as a bank, uh, but then you have a nice logo and rules and, and, and terms and conditions, but for the rest you have outsourced your whole operation to uh, payments as a service provider like FIS, uh, Global or, or the likes. Mm -hmm. they, they're doing that already, I believe, in, in uh, one of the guys was on my panel, uh, doing that type of stuff uh, already for, let's say, community banks in, 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 in the USA. Okay, so, how about this then, though? When we do launch instant payments, what should be the one thing people should watch the most? Or, you know, the hey, 
expect this to happen? Like the big concern here is fraud. You mentioned the liquidity management piece, which is going to be huge and different. But one of the biggest concerns people have here is that there's going to be a burst of fraud that takes off. Yeah, the funny thing is, uh, but that's that's the Dutch experience. Yes, we we were concerned because, boom, the money is gone and it goes from bank A to bank B to bank C, and then they cash out, right? Um, but that didn't happen, at least not in in my country. Um, not not more. But the, what we do suffer a lot of our uh, what was, what are called authorized push payment scams. Uh, UK are heavily hit by those. Uh, we are, uh, but that really has nothing to do with payments being instant. Um, it, it happens with the old, good old SET uh, just, just as well. People being scammed. Uh, and this is the fraud help desk from your bank. Your money is at risk. Somebody's trying to, to, to divert the money from your account. And we have opened a special uh, safe account for you. Uh, you have to transfer the money to it now. <laughs> and of course, that's the, the money mules account or the criminals account. But as such, that doesn't, it, well, in, 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 I, we didn't see instant as being the cause of that. Um, in the instant payments regulation, uh, though, those concerns have been heavily brought to the attention of the European Commission. Uh, so that one of the reasons is that um, 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 uh, confirmation of payee, which is the UK term, uh, is going to become mandatory, which is the check of the, uh, the payee and the payee's account number. They have to match. And that's one of the challenges. Uh, coming with the instance payments regulation that all banks need to provide that it's to a service to the payer, which uh, has to specify if you submit your payments order, if there's a match, uh, a close match or no match uh, between a name and number of the, of the beneficiary. Uh, we already have that in the Netherlands, by the way. So for us, it's not a big deal. Um, uh, but that, that, that uh, that's because of the fraud, uh, con the fraud concerns. Um, the, 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 the other point is, so, so we have to see. Um, one of the major things that the Commission has recognized is we have a thing called the, the GDPR in Europe, the General Data Protection Regulation, yeah. which is very famous across the globe, I, I believe, but it doesn't help banks much in fighting fraud. It's, it's uh, unfortunately one of the unintended consequences is that it makes data sharing pretty difficult and also data sharing for purposes of fraud detection and fraud uh, fighting fraud. So uh, the Commission have opened up in the new payment services regulation more opportune and that has been a long long debate in PSD2. What can banks and can uh, can't they exchange in terms of data to help fight uh, to counter fraud? So the Commission has understood that, especially with instant payments coming up and indeed concerns has to we have to see if, if they are, are justified those concerns, but uh, the, the the commission has the European Commission has has recognized that banks need better data exchange possibilities to fight fraud in real time, um, and also AI will come into play there. That's one of the so there's also a little liability shift. Uh, I won't go into the details, but the commission said, well, AI, come on guys, machine learning AI, can't banks do a better job? So there has to be a little incentive for them, uh, is what they say, to do a better job as the, 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 the payers bank to use AI to recognize uh, uh, um, uh, irregular uh, payments and stuff. And normally it works well. You have carrots and sticks, but sometimes sticks work better for banks. Uh, so we shift a little liability to them to give them an incentive 
to do a better job using AI to counter fraud or, or misdirected payments or whatever. So that that's all, all part of, of this, this legislative package. I love that analogy, carrots and sticks. Which one is it going to get to get you to actually be motivated? And wow, you said a lot there. I could not agree with you more that the instant payment channel is not the problem of the fraud. The fraud's taken place before. The channel is just what's used to distribute the money. And they would use whatever channel is going to work best for yeah. them. Being the frauds, they being the fraudsters, of course. So um, I'm going to go ahead. I want to wrap things up because this has been such good information. I mean, I, I'm still stuck on the information confirmation reconciliation. I almost want to go make that into a cheer at the next conference that I'm at for people. And I'm actually speaking at a payroll conference soon. So I kind of want to be like, yeah, here we go on that. Um, one thing, though, I got to ask because you are really doing so much in electronic payments. And now that you've moved on to a global scale, I asked you at the beginning, how'd you get started in payments? And a lot of people that listen to the payments podium are people that are new or at least are advancing their careers. They're looking for, you know, information and ways to improve their careers. What advice do you tell people nowadays that are new in this industry or they're looking to go to the next level in payments of what they can do to improve upon their career or what they can do to one day be like you and be on all these different groups and <laughs> and have such an influence at a global scale of what's happening in electronic payments? Well, that's hard. There's not, not, not one recipe, I think. Um, what, what amazed me, I had some, some, some job vacancies and it's pretty hard. I mean, we're the Dutch Payments Association. What, what the... Is a payments association. So, in, in terms of trying to hire people, it's not obvious what what is that animal. And funnily enough, only one or two candidates come up with an intrinsic motivation and interest in payments already. Uh, uh, payment nerds to be. So, you, it, I mean, it, it's not not for all, but you have to enjoy. It's it's what I will say. It's it's a network industry. It's about two sided markets. It's, it's a very uh, you have to be interested in, in the social uh, context, in, in the users, the stakeholders, the two-sided markets. Um, that there's a lot of fun because more than in any other part of the banking business, we need to cooperate, which is great. Cooperate and coordinate between competitors because you need to work together in the infrastructure, in the standardization. Otherwise, the payment won't go come from A to B. Uh, it's as simple as that. And let's say I've been there for a very long time. In the old days. Um, we were sort of looked upon, uh, ah, the guys in the basement doing the plumbing, not making any money, whereas the guys with the braces and the Porsches up in the ivory tower were making shitloads of money with big deals and etc. So we were, everybody looked down until, let's say, the crisis in 2008 on all the transaction bankers. They were, yeah, these, these, these poor guys in the basement doing the plumbing. Uh, but uh, when, when the digitalization and internet, etc. came on, with where we are now, payments have become sexy and are really the most exciting part of the industry, I would say. Uh, from a technical perspective, a social perspective, cultural, I mean, there's so many dimensions to it. It's, it's one of these things that everybody uh, uses every day, um, every time, and it has to work every time. It's a dissatisfier payments. Uh, it's like water from the tap. As long as it comes from the tap, the water, nobody says, oh, you're doing a good job. But wait a minute, when it, there's no water coming from the tap, um, then, then you have the problem. So uh, there's, there's a real um, camaraderie, if you will. Uh, it's getting a little bit less uh, perhaps than in the old days, but um, well, payments people like to talk to payments people um, and, and that's, that's, well, 
you have to try it. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, you have to try it. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's, it is the relationships. It is, and I love to cooperate and coordinate with people and the networking and getting to know people that that is one of the key things that is important in yeah. payments. And I, what I really love about that too is because I hear a lot of people saying AI is going to take my job away. A computer is going to take my no. job away and computers cannot take away those relationships. And that is a key part of this. Well, I want to thank you for being on the payments podium today. And for all of you out there listening, if there is somebody you think should be on the payments podium to help educate all of us or if there's a topic you'd like to have discussed you can always email me kevin at paymentsprofessor.com i'll do all i can to get them on the podium or to get that topic discussed but other than that for today i gotta say class dismissed <laughs>